Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello and welcome to another week of spiritual shit. And wow, what a week it has been. This week has kicked my proverbial ass and what is happening in the world what has been happening in the world in addition to what is happening in the world recently has just been really hard to watch so for those of you who are experiencing this personally I just want to send as much love as possible to you in this time of of uncertainty, unsafety, and essentially watching the world burn in a lot of ways, not only in in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa and the Middle East, and, you know, here at home in other ways. And so I just, I just want to first just send love to the world. It has been just such a challenging time for us to watch. So um, I open with that because today we're also talking about something very challenging, uh, which is uh, we have uh, Kushel Choksi on the show, and he is talking about his experience firsthand with the 9-11 attacks and being in uh, the building when some of that happened. So, you know, essentially we're dealing with what does it look like to live in uh, in a space of you know, these types of tragic events that are happening and the trauma that we incur by it. And how do we get to a space where we can actually expand out of it? It's really hard during these times to not look at the world and go like, fuck this place, you know, you know, earth is ghetto. (laughs) And after living through, um, you know, two year global pandemic, still going through it and having such polarity of, um, you know, disagreements, whether it comes to health or race or war or mask or whatever, you know, coffee, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it's, it's an overwhelming time to be here. And uh, I posted a um, episode last week on my Patreon, where I'm talking about the lighthouse, how you are a lighthouse and, and those of us together collectively, we can kind of, you know, light up the world. And I mean that in such a big way, but it's been hard. So let's just first acknowledge that, that it's been a really tough go and we all could use a little support right now. Um, and we can all send out a lot of love right now. So that's super important. Um, I want to get to a few announcements uh, first of all, it's been an insane dream week for me. And there have been a few people that have messaged me and said, hey, you've been in my dreams. I saw you at a library. I saw you at a school. I saw you here. I saw you there. And in a teacher kind of environment, I've had the same dreams. And in our mystery school, which let me tell you about our mystery school. This is a part of our announcements because we're going to open up some spots um, for some more participants. But what I've done is created a community, a spiritual almost social network, uh, if you will, but I am no Mark Zuckerberg, um, but where we have posts and we have trades of our services and we get to talk every day. We talk on Messenger, not mess our version of Messenger. We make posts with our own content. People are posting about crystals and aliens and their readings and dreams and um, really anything that you can imagine within the spiritual space. And we have created this culture of support and community where if you are just starting to get into this and open this up, then this is a really wonderful place, an authentic place and a supportive place uh, to open up, you know, 
that 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 freak side of you <laughs> I mean in like more like a witchy way less than a sexual way but uh and it's it's just a really it's so nice I'm on there more than I'm on Instagram now because it's so nice to talk to other people who are on this journey and who are looking for ways to grow and more importantly for me it, it it's about impact and creating uh I call it mystery school because we're all learning from each other but um, you know, in the mystical kind of way, it is the impact that I'm looking to make that we all get to grow and build our confidence and learn more about who we are and our gifts through the process of community that we become a ripple effect to those who join later or those in our life or those in our astral plane or whatever, and hopefully help open up, um, more love. We had, a uh, Tuesday, uh, last week, I say Tuesday cause it was, to 22-22. And there was a very strong portal of energy that happened there. And um, I mean, I could see it, I could feel it. It feels like we're almost in uh, Mercury retrograde, like every, shit just has been going wrong all week. <laughs> um, on a on a very open world level, but also on a personal level. And, um, you know, with that, everything kind of feeling really inconvenient and uh, uh, icky kind of um, I've just felt this really insane shift of energy for sure that there's change coming and we are all making our adjustments. As I said before, like through that adjustment process, we are all in the part of trying to expanding ourselves. And so, yeah, if, if that is something that you want and you want a community to do it in, um, you can go to, uh, patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah and sign up for the $25 tier. It's $25 per month, but we are talking every day and we meet once a month, um, to talk about shit, <laughs> spiritual shit. Uh, in addition to that, as you always know that if you go to the patreon.com slash lovely, you can also sign up for the $10 tier, which is our monthly workshops as well. And this month, uh, the topic we chose before any of this was going down is how to protect your energy. And so I'm like, duh, of course, it'd be spot on for right now, because that's all we need at this moment in time. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on. I want to just give you a trigger warning for this episode. There are some graphic things that are said um, around the 9-11 attacks. And if you are having a really heavy day, this isn't a heavy episode. We just talk about heavy things. And so I just want to give you fair warning ahead of time uh, if that is something that you are... Um, struggling with. So anyway, uh, that is all for this week. I am just thankful that you're here. Thankful that you're learning, that you're growing, that you're supporting, that you are loving and that you are light for this world right now. That is what we need more than anything. So thanks for being here and let's get into today's episode right now. Kushal Choksi started his career as a quantitative analyst with Goldman Sachs. He left Goldman Sachs as a vice president of asset management to join Athlion, an investment fund. As a managing director there, he helped ramp up a $45 billion portfolio before the fund was acquired by EBF Associates. He then moved back to India to join BlackRock's fixed income business as senior vice president, where he managed billions of dollars in a company's flagship mutual funds. After returning to New York, he submitted to his passion for entrepreneurship and started his own tech startup. His thriving career as an analyst was forever changed on September 11th as he made a split-moment decision to abandon his office and the co-workers who refused to leave the World Trade Center. Managing to narrowly escape, he witnessed the magnitude of death and destruction up close and plunged into a lengthy depression where he found himself believing life was meaningless. His search for renewed purpose began with a reluctant trip to a breathwork workshop and eventually turned into decades-long journey of spiritual discovery, mind-blowing metaphysical experiences, and a fierce devotion to the life-altering benefits of mindfulness and meditation. Kushal is a trainer of personal development, meditation, wellness, and leadership programs for the Art of Living Foundation. He has taught the secrets of breathwork and meditation to thousands across U.S., Europe, and Asia. He serves on the U.S. Board of the International Association for Human Values, and he is an entrepreneur, a 9-11 survivor, and the author of A Wing and a Prayer, Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious, or the Seeker. Please welcome Kushal to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Leah Lovely, and today we are interviewing Kushal Choksi, who is an author, uh, used to be a former day trader, and also a chocolatier. <laughs> Say hello to everyone. 
Hey, Helia, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's good to have you here. Um, this is going to be a very interesting episode for all of you listening, because today we have the honor of sitting with someone who has survived the 9-11 uh, terrorist attacks and had a very personal experience. So this is uh, just a fair warning for anybody listening. If there is any triggers that uh, you are aware that we're going to talk about his story and, and what he's been through, and then also uh, we're going to kind of position it in a place where we start to look at spirituality through a traumatic experience and how those things can awaken us in very big ways. So thank you so much for your time, Kushal, for being here. Um, before we get into all of that good stuff, can you first kind of talk to us a little bit about um, your earlier years, <laughs> that um, what your life was like before you had this uh, intense experience that transformed your life pretty significantly? Um, I can uh, begin at one of my most significant sort of a page turn of my life, which is um, I came to this country as an immigrant, um, you know, to, for pursuing education. And so here I was to uh, pursue the American dream. And um, as the luck would have it, uh, I got into my dream college and um, I then landed up somehow on Wall Street. You know, somehow you have to be mindful of what you ask for because it might be given mm. um, and that was my experience i i sort of uh, took to this wall street car career and life like fish takes to water i was enjoying it i was really good with it um the the adrenaline kind of you know was so um it was so at some level so fulfilling uh, and that whole pursuit felt real um but looking back now that I can tell that I was kind of sucked in to that fast paced uh, current of time. And I at some point stopped asking why I was doing what I was doing mm. uh, because I was so entrenched, deeply entrenched uh, into that uh, whole alpha culture of Wall Street. Mm. Um, and I was rising up fast, but I couldn't tell one day from the other or um, one week from the month. It was a very, very fast paced life that I had kind of embarked upon. Hmm, yeah. So walk us through what that day was like, because I, I know I just, I mean, just from anybody who's watched it, it shook the world really um, going through that, you experiencing that firsthand. Uh, if you feel as comfortable as you feel, paint us the story. Please, please uh, flag me if I'm being too graphic for the listeners, but yeah, this it is a was, very open show. You can say whatever you need to. Yeah, I mean, the, it was one of the events that um, was really a game changer for me personally. I mean, it started as an ordinary day. There was nothing different about it. I was on my way to work. Um, and as I just come out of the, um, on, on the World Trade Center, I was in the North Tower, come out of the train, and I was walking to the World Trade Center. I hear this loud noise. And you know how we are as a, as a New Yorker going my way to work, there's so many things going in my head, that checklist and all that chitter chatter. This sound was so large, so so high decibel that it completely, you know, for a few seconds, it quietened the chatter in my mind. And I was dazed. I'm like, what just happened? Uh, obviously, everyone probably experienced the same thing. And within, within 20 seconds, that quietness turned into a pandemonium. Um, it was just people were running helter-skelter. There was no one had a clue what was going on. People was running in all different directions. I very clearly remember one guy was talking on a phone and he said, a bomb has gone off. And clearly no one knew what had happened. And as instinctively, I just moved towards the main, main door of World Trade Center, which would lead me onto Liberty Street in downtown Manhattan, if you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a security person asking us everyone to go back in because obviously it was unsafe outside you know there was splinters and and cement chips and debris. all this debris everything was raining from the sky it was a very gray haze outside and so this everybody was saying just go in go to the core of the building or if you work here go upstairs and be at your desk and wait for a further announcement in that moment I found a voice from behind just somebody's just tapping my shoulder and said just go. Don't listen to this. I just go. There was just so much conviction in it that I listened to him. I just stepped out. Um, another, you know, game changer that, you know, I, I stepped out against that instructions, which mm -hmm. kind of changed the course. Um, but as I stepped out, I'm looking up 
Um, and it's one of the most horrific scenes there, like people are jumping from the higher floors. The, the firemen are first responders are stepping into the building, going up to help people. And as I'm trying to make sense of that, that complete madness, that apocalyptic <laughs> scene that I had never imagined, let alone experienced, um, another aircraft comes from the left corner of my eye and just with a ear splitting sound pierces into the south facade of the, of the next tower, the south tower. Mm. And at that point, it felt like, yes, there is a deliberate action here. Something is off. First, we all thought whoever there, we all thought this was some freak accident. Um, I used to work on the 107th floor. I mean, work from there mm. um, for many months before. Um, so I'd seen all these aircrafts, you know, land on the glide path to LaGuardia just at that eye level. So we all thought perhaps one somebody can, could have made a wrong turn or something. You know, yeah. difficult to imagine, right? Uh, so all these theories were going on until the second plane hit, and then everyone thought, "My goodness, what was that?" So as I'm running away from this in, in, in the next few minutes, I decided to bolt away from this from this madness. As I'm moving away, um, I hear this rumbling noise, and I look back, and the, the North Tower is collapsing, and it it's creating this this dust. Uh, and, 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 and debris cloud uh, in wake of it. And that is moving through these narrow alleys of downtown Manhattan, kind of gushing through it. Yeah. You probably have seen some disturbing footages yeah. um, on, on YouTube of that. It looks uh, like a demolition. The building just collapses. Exactly. And, and that, that villainous uh, haze that's just mm-hmm. going through that narrow alleys. And it was just, uh, it was crazy because you... It, people are running away from it. It's kind of chasing everyone. It's moving away, and I, I, I ran. And uh, to, uh, as luck would have it, there was a there was a commuter ferry pulling out from the other end of the town, other end of the island, and I just the gangway had been pulled in. I ran. I leapt. The momentum had me leap and just jumped on the boat, and I just with a by a visca, I missed that gray haze that was coming in. Wow. And the boat pulled out. I was perhaps the last person on the last boat that left the city that day. Mm-hmm. After that, all modes of transportation had been shut down. Yeah. And in that moment, I, I realized I had just become a statistic. You know, I had just become a 9-11 survivor. But, but yeah, in, in just very few seconds, that, that haze had just completely covered the entire skyline. There was nothing to, 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 to be seen except mm-hmm. that, that haze. As I turned around, the, the boat turned around, and as we were just on Hudson, the the other the South Tower started collapsing. And so this was like you know, I, having worked there, having been in that space, um, I had developed some uh, kind of bonding with those heights, with those with that area, with those buildings. I loved the the magnanimity of those buildings, and I suddenly watched them collapse like a house of cards in front of me mm-hmm. along with it creating so much destruction and taking so much so many lives along with it it was it was a, a very um, it was something i never imagined it's, i never expected to even uh, experience something like this i can't can something like this happen in this country that was my first thought that is this for real is this some is some some filming of a movie that's going on like what what is really happening yeah yeah. So, so that was like, you know, those two hours in, in 10 minutes. Uh, but that was that day for me. Wow. So, you know, when we experience something that is so outside of our reality, we have tend to go through this kind of cognitive dissonance where it's like, we're so separate from that, that moment where you're like, is this a movie? (laughs) Like, can this really happen? And that moment of, you know, sheer disbelief and then slowly, you know, as the, as the, the haze fades, you know, this haze comes over us 
and the mm-hmm. sense of feeling like, okay, I, I don't, what does my life mean? You know, like, what are my, my choices and what am I doing? And, and, and kind of spurs this kind of awakening, at least that's what I've heard has happened in your case. So from going to something through something very traumatic, you say that everybody kind of has their nine 11 moment or trigger or something that happens in their life that shifts and, and awakens them in a kind of a really big way. Um, a lot of people who are listening have gone through that with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sheer, like, what the heck is going on in my life? What the fuck do I do now? Kind of energy for you. What was the next step or the next place that you, uh, you know, kind of turned to, to, to gain your footing back, to understand your world again, and get to a place where you then were like, I, I, I don't want to be a day trader anymore. You know, like, what was that journey for you? Yeah. So it's very interesting how you, what you said, because you're right, you know, it, and it's also a bit unfortunate that it has to be a, a monumental event like this. Uh, in my case, 9-11, or in many cases, uh, uh, a deep loss or, or, or pandemic. That kind of hits in our head with a, with a club and say, wake up, you know? Mm-hmm. What you've been running after is not all there is to life. And that's exactly the thought I had in days that followed. I mean, I, I, a part of me fe- was feeling very excited. Part of me was feeling that, hey, I have a second chance, a new lease on life. So I, I, you know, I was very grateful and feeling fortunate about it. Um, and I thought, okay, whatever I had to do, I should go after it, pursue it with even more energy now mm-hmm. that I have a you know, second chance. Other part of me, like how you said, was thinking, oh, why? What's mm-hmm. the point? You know, something so unfortunate is now um, looking like a, a reality and it's it's like okay it's not it's within the realm of of possibility now it's not something which is oh it, something like this can never happen i couldn't say that anymore so if something like this were to ever again happen and i'm not so fortunate what do i do what's the point of all this you know 60 70 80 hour work weeks and and you know chasing that that rat race um, so that created a, a very, um, a sense of void, you know, where um, you know, kind of driving with, <laughs> I, I say it's like driving with uh, gas pedal and brakes on at the same time. <laughs> you know, you, you really, I was not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, it created a void that I didn't know how to fulfill. And so to find my footing, as you put it, um, I tried or I started doing things that I knew or I thought would give me some sort of fulfillment so i started traveling the world i started exploring different hobbies i started doing crazy things i started going on 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 unimaginable adventures uh, whether it's to patagonia or to amazon forests I, I started doing things thinking that it would it would you know take me out of this funk mm-hmm. i on a professional front um i was a you know i was on wall street at that time uh, i wasn't a day trader then but i was like a quant uh, analyst quant and i i left that to, to start to join a startup because I thought, hey, maybe you know a start you know startups are cool. They'll, <laughs> who, who wants to do nine to five? You know, so that was that conditioning in the mind that made me feel that oh, I had to do something different to to get out of what I was feeling. I was looking for everything externally, outside, outside. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Every time I did something, it felt good for a moment, and then as it would fade out. Um, the newness or the sheen fades out, I would come back to the same place. No, that was not it. So next time I would raise the bar and and probably go for something even higher or stronger. Yeah. And so that was tiring. It was exhausting to to constantly, you know, upping the the bar and constantly try and and seek for more and more um, kind of adrenaline or whatever it was I was seeking. Mm -hmm. But it it was exhausting, that whole exercise. Yeah. So when eventually you came to this place where then you ended up meeting with a spiritual master, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, which I always find this very interesting because there always seems to be someone who comes in our life when we're in this space of like the void, maybe it's a podcast that someone listens to. Maybe it's this one. Uh, maybe it's a person <laughs> that comes into your life. It's a a baby or a partner or a loved one or some random stranger, but whatever it is, there always seems to be that person that comes in to show you the way. 
you know, whether that be mentor, spirit guy, whatever. So talk to us a little bit about that, that spiritual master that you met and, and how they re- essentially changed your perspective and, and taught you some really in, interesting things. Sure. But I must warn you that I was not very curious. Uh, I was maybe curious, but I was not very inclined to go meet a spiritual master. I was this not is the new- best part though, because <laughs> most people are kind of in that space where they have a lot of resistance with the spirituality. And what I like about you is, and what we're going to talk about further is kind of that questioning that needs to happen. Like a lot of times, sometimes we, we come through these awakenings in these portions of our life where we're very much like all in, you know, oh, this sounds exciting. Very much how you were talking about, you know, I'll go to the Amazon forest or I'll go here, I'll do this. A lot of times people uh, discover spirituality and then they're like, oh, let's try the sound bath and let's do the Reiki and let's see the psychic. And they get really excited, but it never fulfills them. It never gives them the orientation of their purpose. And so I want to hear the reluctance and (laughs) essentially that, that I wasn't not only reluctant, I was averse. Mm. Um, perhaps again it was because of how I grew up I grew up in India and you know there's a certain uh, tonality towards this uh, spiritual gurus Mm. Um, you know um, not I mean not all of them are real Mm. Um, so I was like no this is not for me so someone when someone invited that this master was coming to uh, to New York I was like I'm sorry this is not for me Mm. Um, can't you see I'm living my life I'm happy Uh, you know that that front that I had put up Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly the, so but uh, and i talk about it in the book as, as a funny sequence of events i somehow en- ended up at that public event at the talk um this was uh gurudev shri shri ravi shankar who's the founder of the art of living foundation um he he was traveling to new york and i saw him for the first time and i meditated with him um now i must say that i tried to meditate before uh, as part of doing all these crazy things i'd also dabbled into all these different things. I read so many books about spirituality. I had talked, I had really assimilated the concept of being in the moment, being in the now, the present moment, all that. I knew, I knew it by heart. <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. I'd studied Buddhism. I'd, I'd, I'd read about so many things, um, so many different teachers. Um, and I had all those things were perfect intellectual concepts in my head. Um, the first time when I meditated with him, there was a tangible experience. And whether it was his presence, whether how he led it, whatever it was, I felt so much at, at calm in, in, on that afternoon. That, I, that calm, that state of mind without any thoughts, I never experienced before. Mm. Now, this is a, a wired type A Wall Street mind that is always thinking about what's what's the next big thing that I'm going to chase. Mm. So that running at 200 miles in 10 different directions to, to come to a complete standstill was a very you know, different contrast, a sense of contrast that I'd never experienced. Mm. And so when I, I came, I experienced that. I'm like, whoa, this is something. But again, that mind was not trained to take anything on its face value you know that, that was my professional training as an investor as a trader so I was like okay fine I want to see why is it and why is it really working did I fall asleep why why do I, why do I feel so good because I when I when I am asleep I don't have thoughts either so did I fall asleep or um, was this a placebo? What, what was it? Mm. Um, I, I want to see the research. I want to see the data. Um, and so at that point, I started dabbling into the research behind uh, this technique that I later on experienced called sky breath meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the technique that uh, Shri Sri Ravi Shankar has given to the world. Um, and so when I experienced that sky breath meditation, um, it was an, another you know, amazing experience. But I wanted to know what is it and why it really works, hmm. you know, what, and I, I don't know if how much in the day in depth you want me to go about the data that I found, the research that I found. Let's go into okay. it. All sure. right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, first thing I found was that um, the sky breath just within two weeks of practicing, it cut down the, um, the, the stress hormone or the grief hormone uh, cortisol in our system yeah. by 56%. 
And I was like, if if this has been proven by by science, and there has to be, you know, there has to be some value to it, then mm-hmm. it it increases the the happiness hormone, the, the serotonin. Uh-huh. It improves the the sleep, quality Oxytocin. of the sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, then it improves the quality of the sleep. Uh, I heard, or, or I found out, it is responsible for the the stimulation of the the vagal functions. The, it stimulates the vagus nerve and everything associated with it balances that sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So all these different things that were coming into my into my purview, I was lapping it all in and also corroborating it with the tangible real experience that I was I was having uh, every time I practiced it. Mm. So when these both came together, I felt, oh, there, 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 there is something in here which I should go deeper into and explore. Because mm. this was so different from every, anything I had done before. Yeah. It was a completely new dimension of my life that I thought it was probably some woo-woo out there. You do it, <laughs> you know, when you have nothing else to do. You know, that was another of, another of one of my uh, preconceived, absolutely un, unbased notion, which I thought that meditation is um, a pursuit for retirement. Yeah, I heard you said that your parents or your grandparents or something, it's just something that kind of old people did when they didn't have anything else to do. Yeah, so I always felt like it was, it was, I mean, maybe, you know, when I get to their age, maybe I'll take it up, you know, right now I have to be in the world, I have to enjoy, I thought, if you meditate, you have to become like a monk, you know, all these things, (laughs) all these concepts I had in my mind, right, that you have to renounce, like renounce everything, and you have to give up the, your ambitions and, and, and goals, and just sit in some cave and, and meditate but so i thought it was it would take the edge off and i thought it was not for me at this this age maybe later on when i'm done with my life or everything i, I was here to achieve then I, yeah then i'm exhausted and then i'll take up meditation to rejuvenate <laughs> i was so wrong Alia. i was so wrong so when i i started you know collecting all this research and data it was so clear to me that you know um, this is the thing that's perhaps could have the answer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't know if really it had the answer, but I tried everything else that I could within the time and resources that I had. And it did not have the answer for sure. Mm. But this one was, was very promising. And at least it was giving me that, that sense of peace and calm. And, yeah. And, yeah. You know, so I was like, well, perhaps this must have something because I was, I was, uh, the way I was responding to my life, the way I was showing up in my life had changed within a, just a few weeks of practicing this. Mm. How did it change? I think I was a lot more um, in control. I was more responding than reacting. You know, I, I talk about it in the book where there was one afternoon where um, this is the first time I realized that something had changed. I one afternoon on a trading desk when the the, the hell had broken loose and it was, you know, there was a lot, the very high stakes and people were screaming and shouting and throwing phone receivers. I mean, that's exactly how usually it is on, on a trading desk. Yeah. And I would participate in that, in that, you know, scream fest. Uh, and that afternoon, I was still, I was, I was not doing that. Mm. Um, and I was not putting an effort to not do that. I was just there. I was there. I was just taking it all in and doing what I had I was supposed to do in that moment without getting overly animated just because it was expected to, I was expected to be animated expected to show up animated um, and that evening or the beer my boss asked me if I was I was okay you know or, you know is everything okay with you because you were you were not yourself <laughs> but then I realized that maybe for the first time I was myself yeah you know, um, yeah. and so that was the, I was still a little reluctant to share about what I had experienced because I thought I would be judged and people would think, and again, this is early 2000, right? So yeah. people are still not talking about mental health. People are not talking about meditation, yoga, and everything is considered for someone out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are no, there's no iPhone. So there are no, there are no <laughs> apps that let you meditate. There yeah. Are, there's um, no muse or what's the other no one? Muse. <laughs> yeah. There are no influencers talking about it. Yeah. They, that that 
that relationship between the mind and the breath, it is still elusive. Nobody knows about it. You know, so here I am. I, I think I've, I've found something. Uh, but until I've, I'm convinced about it that, yes, this is really working. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it because I might be judged. I, people might think that I've, I've gone cuckoo. Um, <laughs> no, what's interesting is that something as now we can see it and say, okay, meditation, that seems so mainstream. You know, it's almost like boggles the mind when you think about it, that that was something that was considered out there just 20 years ago. Yes. Um, but you having, having such this visceral experience and then having this, this interchange with this master, um, did you come to a point? Cause like, I think I, I heard in one of your interviews where you were just kind of, uh, confronting this thought of like, what's the point of all this? And I know mm -hmm. a lot of people who do have these traumatic experiences or then, then have an awakening, essentially the whole, your whole world, your foundation is ripped from underneath you and you're, you're, you're left trying to catch your footing you know what about that that you know breath work meditation or whatever what kind of realization did you come to that gave you the space and confidence to to rebuild or figure out like what is this all for what's the point of this human life you know yeah perhaps you know i was not that spiritually evolved when when i started this i was just i picked up as a, a relaxation technique i picked it up as something that'll help me gain more focus. It'll improve my intuition because all these, again, the research was saying about all these things. Yeah. Uh, it'll improve my sleep. So I had actually picked it up for those benefits. The wellness aspect. The, the wellness aspect of it, yeah. right? The, the physical aspects of it because I was so wired and, you know. Um, but as I started going deeper into it, I realized that those were just the side effects. Those <laughs> were just the special effects that it brought along with it. Hmm. But what it really contributed to is it was such a gift. It gave you that ability to, to connect with yourself, um, to, to who you really are at the, at the core of yourself. And it was a very foreign concept for me at that time. Like, what do you mean who you really are? I'm, I'm Kushal. But, you know, it was, it took me some time to, to understand that we put so many labels to ourselves. I'm this, I'm that, I do this, I do that. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What am I? But we never really go beyond what meets the eye. We never really go beyond what we can perceive from, through our senses. So this was something where I experienced, oh no, there's, there's something more than that. There is uh, it's something deeper, at a deeper level, which connects you, Alia, and me, mm. to all the listeners. There's something that's a very common across all of us. And when you dip into that space, that's what is to be in that present moment. Like present, I always struggle. How do you keep your mind in the moment? The, mm. the, the books were talking about, oh yeah, don't think of the future. Don't think of the past. Be in the, be present. In the present. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, I read about it. It was, it was a, such a visceral concept in my head, but I had no technique to do that. Mm -hmm. So when I did this sky breath meditation, it effortlessly took me there. And mm. that, was a, that was a beginning of the change for me in my life that for the first time, I was controlling the mind rather than mind controlling me. Mm. It was the first time I felt like I was in control and whatever I was not in control of, I was still okay with it Yeah. without being um, feverish or without being anxious about it. I was okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that was a precious feeling for the first time I experienced Hmm. okay fine you know this that that's sense of acceptance not as a intellectual concept but as something a, a deep experience from inside that oh this is what they call acceptance mm -hmm. you know because i was just okay with it yeah whatever was happening that's a big deal it was a big deal for me because it was not like i had to give up anything to get there yeah it's one thing that you don't have it and say oh i don't need it i'm fine you know that that dispassion that's wrongly labeled can be misinterpreted right mm -hmm. you don't have it and say okay I'm, I'm okay with not having it yeah but going after it with full intensity and you get it it's okay if you don't get it it's still okay mm -hmm. that feeling became an amazing um tool for me on my rest of my journey as mm -hmm. an entrepreneur um as uh, as a wall street guy 
it just gave me so much strength to do whatever I wanted without worrying about what world thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because always as, as the conditioned mind, I always thought about, oh, I want to do this, but what if I fail at that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have studied so much. And what if I do something different? And people will say, why is it out of your mind you're doing something? So there's always that. F- I, I had this fear of judgment that what would world think? Yeah. And that dropped. Mm-hmm. And that was so freeing. Yeah. That was an amazing feeling. That's a lot of, that's what a lot of people experience when they end up having this kind of awakening is that they connect to their authentic selves and that connection to their authentic self is suddenly like, what the, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I'm not living my life for these people. Like I need to do what I need to do and kind of get behind that. Something you mentioned about control. uh, I really aligned with because it is in our perspective that we can control, but like we can't control the outcome. And so our, our being able to say, you know what, I'm fine with it. I'm fine without it is exactly that kind of like Taoist and or Buddhist. I can't remember which one uh, perspective of like, everything is neutral. Everything is neutral. Sure. I have this. I don't have this. It's okay. Um, and that's a really hard concept to come by. Um, so when you were in the, like, and, and you can even expand on how your journey is going now, like even now, but when you thought like, what's the point of all this, this expansion, this growth, this connecting to self or whatever is it, woo woo, is it not, you know, like, what's the point? Like you could have probably gone along and continued your job and and done what you needed to do. And maybe you not, wouldn't have been what, as we quote, quote, air quotes (laughs) happy. Um, but like, how has it transformed your life to know what, what the meaning is for you? I think it's a perpetual exercise. I think finding that, you know, uh, finding a purpose, finding why you're here, uh, finding what you're doing, why you're doing like, that's, a, that's, a, as my, my teacher says, it's a, it's a path you keep walking back and forth on. It's a path you tread multiple times because every time you do that, perhaps a, a deeper meaning might, might get, you know, unraveled. Yeah. You know, every time you do that, why am I here? Okay. I'm here to provide for my family. Okay. Why am I here? Maybe I'm here to do something bigger. Every time you do that, perhaps a different answer comes. And every time, the more you think, the more you practice, perhaps you get closer and closer to what that answer ought to be. He also says that those who know it, they don't say it. Those who say it, they don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a, to me, I feel it's a, it's a process of uh, evolution, as mm. one would really think. Um, for me, it's been a, a journey um, and really a journey, you know, that's another uh, cliche that I picked up that fun is in the journey, right? You don't worry about getting there. Mm. But, and now I, I'm feeling it that yes, as I'm working towards it, or as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this path. It's just so rewarding. It's just so much fun. It's mm. not um, a boring, uh, dispassion filled, um sad morose kind of uh, thing it's just just so much juicy and it allows me to be in the world with even more gusto it allows me to be in the world with uh, even more passion yeah uh, just because you know it's i think it's it complements what we have outside and inside so beautifully it connects mm. Mm. i love that because there is such a an importance to the journey that a lot of people kind of overlook. We're always trying to get to where we want to go, even in spirituality. Like I want to be enlightened now. And I want to, you know, be able to read this chakra now and I want to have these, these talents or whatever gifts or whatever. Um, but the journey is the process very much. So the expansion through the journey, the experience. And I love that that experience is giving you space to find more presence uh, in your life and find ways to make yourself happier, you know, in that journey. Uh, something that I heard on one of your interviews is where you talked about, um, how this breathwork practice allowed you to release some of the imprints that you had from your trauma. And I'm really interested Mm -hmm. to talk about that because a lot of times people cannot be present and have a really hard time seeing the journey be a good place for them to, to be in this like limbo space between the, the outcome and where they're, they're headed, uh, because they have a lot of fear and, 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 
trained, you know, wiring or whatever around that trauma that it's really difficult for them to, to be present without those, those things. So, um, without giving it away, because what we will do is we're going to go to Patreon, um, a little bit later. And, uh, if you guys want to become a member, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah to see our after interview, but later we're going to, I'm going to have you lead us through a mini meditation. If you're cool with that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it would be cool for people to just see a snippet of what you're talking about. Um, but if, if you can kind of speak on my, my question earlier, like how did that essentially help you release some of those imprints in order to get past that? Yeah. So, um, you know, you talked about your story, like with such, like, it just was like, oh yeah, I went to go get bubble gum at the grocery store. Like it's such a charged topic. And for you to have delivered it so calm. I was like, he's definitely done some work. I feel like I would have been like insanely emotional telling that story. Yeah. The fact that I've been able to um, share about this and talk about it openly is kind of an end of a long road for me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a, it's a milestone in, in itself. Um, and everyone wants to be themselves and be their best selves, be so natural come what may, whether it's their professional front in their relationships, how they show up in the world. Everybody wants to be like you know the the absolute unfiltered selves but something within us doesn't allow us to do that Mm. we change our looks we change our outlooks we change how we present ourselves we change how we talk we change how we take decisions the life's biggest decisions based on certain patterns in our own head certain conditioning of our own mind if you go a layer deeper, that comes from these impressions that life has left in our nervous system. Mm-hmm. Any experience, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant experience, will leave a, a scar, will leave a scoff mark on the nervous system. Mm-hmm. The Sanskrit word samskara, which means these impressions, the English word scar has its root in samskara. Mm. Yeah, so it is very subtle. It's not something that you open your body up and you see, oh, here's that impression. It's, it's happening at a very subtle level, at a very you know, intangible level. And these impressions, as they get deeper, they create certain patterns. Let me give you an example. You want dessert after your meal. You, you, on the first day, you want a dessert after your meal. You love that chocolate ice cream. Next day, after your meal, you feel like, oh, I want, I want that ice cream. Third day, you, you automatically open the fridge after you finished your meal. And fourth day, you open the fridge and it's not there. You feel so disappointed. <laughs> you feel like, oh, my meal is not complete. Something as innocent as an ice cream has left now an impression and created a conditioning of the mind. Mm. Right? That it has created a, a path, a cow path that you're just going to follow. And that's how you're going to show up. Involuntarily, your, your, your body is going to move towards the fridge and open it after you've done your meal. So that's just an example of a, what an impression can do with our, our, our system. Some of the more deeper ex, experiences leave much deeper impressions and, and they make us do things that are not so life supporting. You know? And what the sky breath does is using the power of breath it scrubs our nervous system off of these impressions. Mm. And when that happens, it is very freeing. And it is not as a concept. You know, I give you another example. I was a coffee fiend. I was an addict. I would not be able to get out of the bed without a big cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I would call myself, oh, I like different type of beans. I'm a connoisseur, so I like coffee. But no, at the, behind that, I could not function without my morning cup of joy. As I started practicing, automatically, my reliance on that external stimulus started thinning out and now it disappeared. I don't need a coffee. If I have a coffee, I would enjoy it, but I don't crave for it or I'm no no longer dependent on it like how I used to. Mm -hmm. And such thing as it it has showed showed up in my personal life in many different aspects. I still, if you close my eyes, uh, I still have a vivid memory of what happened on that day. Mm. But it, that scenery or that memory does not have that negative emotional charge 
that mm-hmm. it used to carry us because the connection between the memory and the emotion through these impressions is now broken. Wow. So just by this breathing, sit for 10 minutes and just do this sky breath. It takes your mind effortlessly into a place where that's meditation. You don't have to put any effort. But more so at a subtle level, it's scrubbing these impressions. It's scrubbing these impressions. Mm. And I see so many people now, I volunteer my time paying it forward. I facilitate sky breath workshops um, I, because I just want to, exp- I just want to share what I've experienced, you know, yeah. and I see people um, who have, who come from traumas of, you know, deep personal losses or just something that has, I can see this has created impressions in their nervous system. Um, this sky breath is taught to veterans who come back from war. Imagine there what they have seen. Yeah. They cannot sleep Aliyah, without taking sleep meds because yeah. you know, they close their eyes. They just transport it to their, that war front. Mm-hmm. But just one or two sessions of sky breath, you know, gets them off these sleep meds. What is the, the, what is the structure of sky breath? Cause we've heard about breath work where you do uh-huh. kind of like there's box breathing, there's other kinds or whatever without actually doing it. Cause we'll do that a little bit later. What is it? It uses the rhythms in our own breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breath has natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. Like there's rhythm in nature. You know, there's rhythm in our body too. You feel hungry at certain time. You feel sleepy at certain time. Similarly, there's rhythm in our breath. And there's a rhythm in our emotions and thoughts and rhythms in our being. So in sky breath, you use your own breath and the rhythms in your own breath to harmonize, to breathe coherence in all the different functions of your own body. Hmm. Like we have the physical functions, we have the function of cognition, we have the function of perception, intellect that constantly judging, the function of judging, um, the functions that of memory, the functions of identity. All these different functions, they go a little out of sync as the life happens, as we collect impressions. Sky breath, through rhythmic breathing, through that, just innocently, just sitting and breathing, it brings all these different layers in harmony. Mm. It brings such coherence that you feel, you feel natural. You feel so, you know, your slate is wiped clean mm. every, every time you do it. Are you making an intention for it? Is that is the is it just the breath, or is it also the intention from the meditation that allows those things to be cleared? It's just the breath. It's just mm-hmm. the breath that is doing the work. The other thing I loved about this thing, which was such a breath of fresh air compared to my other unintended, unintended <laughs> <laughs> about my other pursuit was there was no effort involved in mm-hmm. everything else I had tried to do. All other modalities of meditation or some kind of practice that required me to not think of something Mm. or think of something else or focus on an image or a light or a sound. All of that required some sort of effort. And mind does not respond well to effort. Yeah. (laughs) If I ask you to close your eyes and not think of something else. You're going to think of something else. (laughs) It was just think of that. So the mind, the level of body, it responds to effort. If you want to make, if you want to build muscles, you want to put in effort. Mm-hmm. But if you want to condition your mind, it has to be effortless. And so this practice of sky breath, just work on breath work, where you just sit and breathe and everything else happen effortless. Mm. It's the a first very time Ayurvedic I, principle, yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, Natural. they're all aligned. They're all aligned, you know? Yeah. That actually the practice this change you know kind of prompted me to be more aware of what i was eating my nutrition how mm-hmm. i was leading my life and that led me to ayurveda because ayurveda is that that overall science of well-being and and you know and and harmony mm-hmm. balance so they're all interconnected you know yoga meditation breath work ayurveda they're all siblings yeah, we have, um, uh, by the time your show airs or what, by the time you guys are listening to this, we will have already aired an episode uh, with Dr. Avanti where we talk very extensively about Ayurveda. 
Um, and so that'll be cool. Like it'll be add to this <laughs> today. Um, but before we go and we go to Patreon and actually participate in one of these meditations, um, you know, what do you think, you know, out of, out of having a lot of times when we have something really bad happen to us, um, we do take it very personally, you know, like, it's just like, why did this happen to me? Why did this thing happen? You know, like, oh, this is the end of the world. And in, in some cases it feels like that very much. So like you have very right to feel like that in, in, you know, your case and a lot of the cases that people have lived through, but when we experience such a trauma and we come to a place where the spirit, you know, universe, whatever you want to call it is trying to get our attention to help us live our best experience, our best life in one way or another, what are some ways, you know, one or two ways that people can really get in tune or in touch with that part of themselves, uh, in order to, to see that perspective, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Great question. And perhaps I can, uh, answer it, um, uh, from the point of view that I have tried so many different things, you know, my wife would make fun of me she would say i'm a spiritual shopper because as part of my, as part of my research i just wanted to make sure that i leave no stone unturned mm-hmm. so i tried all a lot of like <laughs> yeah so i wanted to look at everything and say is this it is this it is this it and you know the optics are are very similar like all of these practices whether it's coherence breathing or your box breath, this, that, they all talk about something very similar, similar functionalities, very similar techniques or very similar uh, mechanical aspects of it. Oh, you sit and breathe, you close your eyes. But I think at the core of it, as you go deeper, there's subtle differences. There are, there are perhaps that is the reason why when I came to, sky breath i my my seeking stopped hmm. because that is when i found a very tangible experience that stayed with me an experience that said okay yeah no this is it and you know until one has had that experience that quest continues right it's not right a, it's very natural oh this is great but yeah this is really awesome i, I had a great time but let me see what's out there yeah having tried so many different things when I came here, I've not had since that, but has dropped, you know, that, Oh, but I need to go for one more. Let me see what's in there. I cannot imagine there had, there being, you know, something um, so profound. So uh, so that has touched me so deeply. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, uh, my quest stopped here, but to each his own. Right. (laughs) Uh, And one, I think it's an intelligence of obligation to find that to to find everything to 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 kind of lift every stone and see is there anything underneath here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the process of that 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 critical thinking, questioning, looking, seeking. Yeah, and then and then arrive at your your own practice. Arrive at your own uh, the thing that that sits with you. Whether it's a teacher, I I, I strongly now feel um, having come this far that a teacher is essential Mm. Um, you know I also think why this sky breath works is that there's also an intention with which this practice was given out to the world Mm -hmm. you know when when Sri Sri Ravishankari went into silence uh, for 10 days about 40 years ago he went with an intention to to create that stress-free violence-free society and with that intention when he came out of the silence he started teaching this sky breath so at some subtle level, there's an intention, like how you said earlier, behind this practice that also makes it work for me. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's very, um, very simple. If, you, if, you, if I told you this is how it works, it's like, oh, yeah, this is so simple. I've, I've, and I've done it sounds like, simple. So I'm excited simple. to try it like here in a second. Uh, when we go to the the further interview, but before we go, um, guys, uh, Kushel Choksi has a book out called On a Wing and a Prayer, Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious, and the Seeker. Um, this is a 9-11 survivor's true story. And so if you can go check it out uh, wherever books are found. Um, and also where can they find you if they want to talk to you or look at your stuff? 
Sure. Uh, on my social handles, uh, as a newbie author, I'm more active on social media uh, ever before. Uh, but on my website, uh, kushalchoksi.com, yeah, all my social handles are there. Uh, my email is there. Feel free to write to me. And, and yeah, this, this book is this whole journey, a, a very unfiltered, honest account of um, an outsider looking in, questioning, uh, judging, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and looking for that hidden muffin and yet through the experiences keep moving a step closer to the to the light if you will. nice very nice well you guys go out and buy his book please um <laughs> i think you have a wealth of information we're getting ready to head over to patreon so if you want to become a patreon member go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah, uh to finish our conversation with us so thank you so much for listening if you love this episode please send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.